The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. How to survive a zombie apocalypse. Before we can learn my plan, there are some things you need to know. The 10 steps to survival. These will save your life. A zombie is a fairly easy thing to recognize. A lack of blood circulation through its body results in its skin having a greyish hue and quite often clots or dark patches will form under the surface. Necrotic muscle tissue is very stiff, which typically gives the zombie a stilted, awkward gait. A zombie will not blink since it has no need to lubricate its eyes and its vocabulary is limited to grunts and moans. The majority of the time it will be very clear who is and who is not a zombie. Occasionally however you may also be faced with a homeless or an old person trying to get your attention and it may be uncertain. In this instance it is safer to err on the side of caution and run. A zombie knows no reason. Any effort to explain the potential dangers of eating human flesh or that what they're attempting is technically illegal will fall on deaf ears. The only way to stop a zombie from trying to eat you is to kill it and the only known way to kill a zombie is to shut down its basic motor control by destroying its brain. In Britain at least it's illegal, in the US and most European countries there are no outright laws against the consumption of human flesh. Whilst in America a gun may be easy obtained from your local off-license or greengrocers, in Britain it is more reasonable assumption that you will have to make do with close quarters weapons. An ideal weapon will be light, durable and able to crush a skull or sever a head in one blow. To begin with you may find subtle weaponry in your garden shed. An axe for instance is ideal. Or perhaps in the kitchen. A good knife is a necessity for non-combat situations and may also be used to kill a zombie if stabbed through the temple or the base of the skull. Keep a weapon with you at all times. Now if you are a lady or a particularly fashionable gentleman you might be keen to look your best at the end of the world However, when the living dead roam the earth, fashion must be dictated by your odds of survival. A zombie will attack you by reaching out to grab. So, the more there is of, as, for you to grab, the more likely they will succeed. Wearing baggy clothing with large pockets is therefore not advised, and if your hair is any longer than an inch or two, you should really get it cut. A leather jacket, if you have one, might offer some minimal protection against bites and sensible durable shoes are a must, whilst a stiletto heel might kill a zombie if thrust with enough force in the eye socket for instance. It's not recommended apocalyptic footwear. In the early stages of an outbreak, there should be no reason for you to leave your home. 
you already have shelter, and the roads are likely to be jammed with thousands of panicked people who will soon attract zombies. Instead, reinforce the doors and windows as best you can. Fill your bathtub with water. Well, you don't know when the water supply is going to cut off. Turn out the lights and draw the curtains. Only leave to fetch supplies in an emergency. Remember, all it takes is one zombie to follow you home, and you could soon find yourself surrounded with no hope of escape. As long as you remain silent, a zombie will have no reason to assume you're in there. Now, if you have a dog that's prone to barking, just tell it, shh. Eventually, due to lack of supplies, a zombie attack, or maybe concerns the area's general safety, you'll be forced to relocate. When traveling, avoid urban areas if possible, and where there was once humans, there are now zombies. So, remoter areas, rocky places, inaccessible places, places hard to come to, that's where you should be heading. Now, you're probably not going to survive the zombie apocalypse alone unless you're Bear Grylls. So at some point, you must join forces with others. Try to keep the group small. Large groups only attract uh, zombies through their noise. And also, they move a little bit slower than just a few light-footed folk. Although, choose your group carefully. You know, your survival will depend on their skills. Bringing friends and family along is all well and good. But if they're prone to fainting or screaming, you might want to just, um, well, leave them behind a little bit. Now, as I'm sure you know, a bite from a zombie, well, that kind of contamination can be deadly. Only a matter of hours and you yourself will be one of the undead, a shambling mound. So, if that should happen to you or a member of your group, you've really got to be prepared to end it. Now, if it's yourself and you, you can't, you can't, you just can't do it, then maybe ask a friend. I mean, they might like to do it. It's a good time to tell for them to tell you exactly what they think of you. So don't feel bad. Feel that you're doing it for the group. Now your long-term survival plans, though you might be tempted to think that the, uh, the zombie apocalypse is just some sort of hoax or a dream, it's safe to assume that it's all very real and you could die a terrible death at any time. Now, even if you manage to escape to a place of relative safety, your survival will depend on your ability to find a good supply of fresh water and sustainable source of food. So, if there's some water nearby, why not think about crafting yourself a fishing rod? Provide both a pleasant, relaxing hobby and a tasty, nutritious snack. Just be aware of any zombies that might be lurking beneath the surface. Now, all good scientists agree that sooner or later the zombie apocalypse is inevitable, and the more prepared you are, the more likely you are to survive it. So why not start preparing now? Remember, for zombies chasing you, it's too late to start exercising, so make sure you're in relatively good shape when the time comes. If you have any addictions like caffeine or nicotine, it might be safe to wean yourself off them now, so it's not so much of a shock to the system later on. Start a vegetable patch in your garden. Stock up on some canned food, some dehydrated food. Keep your weapons close and have an escape route planned. And don't forget to smile. With the right mindset and good company, planning for a zombie apocalypse can be both rewarding and fun. Now I'm going to tell you my zombie apocalypse plan. You've probably got your own. 
and if you email galacticnetcasts at gmail.com we would be happy to hear them. So imagine if you will that the reports are in and people are simply not dying. They take their final breath and then they rise again and when they rise they become violent to the people with warm blood. Crazed, they lumber forward on some sort of autopilot, seeking only to bite you. And once bitten, a fever takes over you. Before you know it, you've taken your final breath, and then you've joined the ranks of the reanimated, breathless. A zombie. Well, if this was ever to happen, then the chances are you'd hear about it. You might even see it firsthand. It would be in the densely populated areas first, the hospitals, the estates, and the high-rise blocks. So, if they're the first of all, how could you survive the zombie apocalypse? Well, I'll tell you how I'm going to survive. Now, fortunately, the zombies, as we all know, are actually the shambling kind. The ones that, on their own, they're easy to outmaneuver, although collectively they can be a reek pain in the ass. And even more fortunate, well, for me anyway, I don't live in an area that's densely populated. I'm lucky enough to live in rural England, so I'm going to walk you through my survival. To understand this, you are going to need some key facts. I live in a rural community, a village called South Walsham. That has only 500 houses. It also has a Chinese restaurant, a pub, a post office, and a gastropub. It has a small school and uh, a cafe at a local park. Now it's situated on the Norf- Norfolk Broads and it's situated on B roads. There are two big farms less than a mile away, only three roads lead into the village and we're not connected to the main sewers. We have a lot of houses with solar panels and we don't have any mains gas. We're fairly self-sufficient in that respect. All our houses are heated with oil. Now that means we have got the means to create fire and things like that. Now the first action in the crisis is to visit the farms and get the farms on board. Not only do they have massive machinery that can help move and stack things to form barricades, but they will also have diesel, generators, petrol, and possibly quite a bit of fuel, quite a bit of food, quite a few vehicles. Now the fuel will be essential as well as some of the tools. They're likely to have welding equipment, possibly firearms, and at the very least, they will also have propane bird scarers. These will prove very useful in diverting hordes of zombies with their noise making, as long as you set them up well away. The first course of action, of course, is barricading the roads. Uh, These are very simple places to choose where we're going to barricade them. Um, you should be able to use the farm vehicles to uh, to actually move any of the other vehicles into place. Uh, for fencing, we'd use vehicles that have no fuel, or petrol-driven vehicles, for instance. Now, whilst we're uh, whilst we're doing this, everyone else would be grabbing their essentials from their house and moving to the school. The reason we're using that location is that it's up a hill, it's easy to defend, and it has access to the broads and the river system. Uh, The houses are bigger at this part of the village as well, some have boat garages and it has a separate marina. 
There's approximately 100 boats um, and these range from small craft up to big cruisers. So I think with the 500 houses we're estimated at around about a thousand people. To get a thousand people we're probably looking at more than the hundred boats that they have. But there are other boats in the area. It's a very it's a it's a very touristy place even though it's quite remote. So a few raids at night we should be able to get a lot of the day craft, a lot of the uh, the small pleasure craft. Of course that comes with a risk, but that risk is worth taking, especially when it comes to the safety of the village. It should be quite possible to survive where we are in the school, in the community. Uh, we're a mixed bag of people, mixed bag of professionals. Um, we will have barricades, fresh water, we'll have refrigeration. We should be okay for a short while. However, we shouldn't be complacent complacent because we know something bad might actually happen so as well as the diesel as I've said all the houses have tanks of heating oils now the, these tanks can actually be moved by the farm equipment uh, there's no reason why a load oil couldn't uh, couldn't move one and say put it on the back of a low loader it's heating oil it's kerosene whilst it's not diesel because the farmers might not have tankers uh, it is still able to power a diesel car. Also, it was able to power the boats as well. A lot of the boats would have diesel engines. So we'd probably be able to um, power a lot of craft from this. Um, I think it's quite feasible to lower one of these tanks on one of the, um, on one of the boats as well. So we'd be able to increase the range of uh, a lot of our transport. Now, it's important to know where our closest threat is. And we are eight miles away from the city and three miles away from a slightly bigger village. But it's a good time now, I suppose, to take stock of what we have. And that is farm machinery, which is associated with rural farming. So we've got lots of tractors and ATVs and quite probably lots of petrol and diesel. Uh, lots of heating oil which can be used as a form of biofuel. We've probably got enough food for up to six months if we eke it out. At least 100 boats. Um, we could probably, even if they were just 100 day boats, that's 600 people. Uh, so we've probably got almost enough boats to take the uh, thousand or so people I've estimated. Uh, of course, as I've said, we've got rural vehicles, so we have got people with 4x4s and ATVs as well. Now, if the threat never arrived, we could feasibly stay in the village for a couple of years. Although, I suspect we would eventually need to leave. And the best way would be via the boats uh, through the Norfolk Broads. Now, it all depends on where we're deciding to go. The biggest downside would be having to travel south first as if we were going to actually hit to the North Sea, uh, we would need to go through the, viv the river, which passes through a reasonably big town. Now, the good news is this is on the East Coast, and the East Coast is quite popular for, for beach resorts. So there is the potential for a lot of uh, distribution centers and things like that, where we can easily steal more food and supplies. 
Now, the danger going through the town uh, as the river snakes through it on our boats isn't zombies, uh, in my opinion. The, the, the banks of the river are actually quite high up. The main concern we would have, I believe, would be people. But fortunately, because we've got the farms on our side, we've got access to shotguns, we could convert bird scarers into, um, into some form of ballistic weapon, but we've also got plenty of oil, so we can create firebombs. Of course, fire on water is incredibly dangerous, so extreme care would need to be taken so we didn't actually kill ourselves. I mean, there's nothing to, uh, there's nothing to stop a few people on ATVs and 4x4s going forward first, um, a sort of marauder team, and clear out the way. Of course, this does draw attention to ourselves, but it's probably something if I was leader of my own mini Woodbury, if, uh, if I was in charge, it's probably one of the things that I would suggest. Now, the next obstacle, of course, is which way to go? Do you head south or north? Now, both have their merits. If we was to travel south, of course, because of where we're located in Norfolk, that means we would be closer to um, the European continent. But for me, that's also a reason not to travel south. North is the key here, and I think heading north is exactly what we would need to do. Now, as I said, the East Coast is heavily populated with seaside resorts all the way up, but it's a great opportunity to stop and raid. Um, in our boats, we would be able to stop uh, a fair distance away from the, um, from the shore, observe it, and send, uh, send teams out. But our ultimate goal would be to head towards... Um, well, towards a, a small island, an island called Linda's Farm. Uh, it, it's populated, it's a small populated island. It's where the monks used to live. And so I think this would be an ideal place. The downside is it is connected to the mainland via a causeway. However, um, I don't think the zombies would be intelligent enough to walk across. So I think we could go there and we could farm just like they used to and live our happy, idyllic life. So there you have it. That is how I am going to survive the zombie apocalypse. But what about you? I'd like to know how you're going to survive the zombie apocalypse. Why not write in to galacticnetcasts at gmail.com I want to know what else you're going to survive and how you're going to do it. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about the show you just listened to, including how to subscribe and give us feedback, plus additional podcasts from the Galactic Network, daily news features, videos, links to our social networks, and more, go to gncasts.com. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com.